Welcome to Monk's Tape. Welcome to Monk's Take, episode 11. Today, we're fortunate to be joined by Monk's women's basketball head coach, Mike McDevitt. Uh, coach, thanks a lot for joining us. Thanks for having me. Anytime. Anytime you want to come in, you're definitely welcome. Uh, coach, so first off, we want to talk about uh, the recent announcement a couple weeks ago, uh, the McDevitt Court campaign. Um, for those of, the, those of you that don't know, it's... Uh, the, the court's going to be renamed in your honor, Mike McDevitt Court, and we're going to, you know, redo the floor. You're going to have your signature on the floor, probably the biggest autograph you'll ever have uh, of, of yours, and uh, also some other improvements, team rooms, uh, some pretty cool stuff. Renderings are going to come out here in a couple of weeks, but uh, talk about what that means to you and, and uh, how that all came about. Well, I'm not exactly sure how it all came about, to be honest with you. But, uh, you know, obviously I'm very, um, you know, honored and humbled to think that, uh, you know, a dedication like that's going to be made in my name. It isn't certainly anything that I really ever thought about. Um, just kind of have been going about doing my day-to-day -day job and doing the best that I can and, you know, hopefully uh, – you know, because of that uh, and the longevity of my tenure here, I guess it, it kind of, uh, you know, brought the opportunity for, um, you know, something special uh, like this to take place. Um, but again, really, really honored and and excited, but yet at the same time, you know, kind of humbled to think that, uh, you know, my name's going to appear on the court uh, moving forward after next year. I thought you had some pretty poignant things to say at the ceremony that night where it's not just about you or your name it's about all the the players and you know all the support staff and things like that have come before you i mean certainly in uh, you know 27 years here it's uh it's been quite a run for you winning as coach all time all those kinds of things there's just a lot of lists that you're at the top of um but a lot of good players for sure yeah no doubt and i and i i think our program has always been you know team over uh, the individual and certainly you know we've had a lot of great players that have you know played here at St. Joe's and you know everybody pretty much to a player whether you've been you know a leading scorer or you know maybe somebody that's been in a more support role we've, we've asked everybody to to give of your individual accomplishments for the good of the team so I just kind of felt that this honor Certainly, you know, has my name on it, but yet um, my hope would be that it would be a reflection on the program and all those players, coaches, you know, additional people that, uh, you know, were with us all those years. Um, everybody had an important role in it. And definitely some other things that are coming along with the, the campaign of naming the court in your name. Uh, talk about some of that stuff. I know I've been given the green light to, uh, you know, we can go ahead and we can talk about team rooms and the uh, – you know, the lobby and the coaches suite and all that kind of stuff that's going to come. We haven't seen any of the renderings yet, but those are coming out probably after the holidays. Yeah, um, <clears throat> we've had initial discussions about um, some ideas that both uh, uh, myself and Rob uh, Senecor, our men's coach, would like to see uh, this dedicated space take take on um i think it's still in the development stages mm. um you know we are going to get some some drawings and some things but i think it's still pretty uh 
liquid in that um, there could be some changes. But yeah, some some really neat team rooms. I think some office space. Um, you know, uh, lobby area. Um, you know, again, really not 100% sure on you know the final plans for that. But I think just on the surface to have uh, a space dedicated like that to basketball, both mm-hmm. men's and women's, could really separate us from you know a lot of our competitors. Definitely a recruiting chip and something that we need here, locker room space and more office space and all those kinds of things, definitely. So, Coach, next uh, let's let's tap into this season. Of course, you know, that's probably foremost on your mind. Uh, a couple of good wins, uh, five and three record thus far, uh, wins over USM and Colby, uh, Colby on the road. Uh, a very different season for you as far as, you know, compared to the past few years, but We'll talk about that in, in a little bit, uh, a segment a little bit later. Uh, so talk about your team this year. A uh, uh, couple, uh, well, one returning starter and some returning players, sophomores, uh, two seniors, a junior. Uh, but just kind of talk about the makeup of your team and, you know, kind of expectations for the year and what do you think, how it's gone so far? Well, let's start at the end. Um, I think it's gone great. Uh, we started the year uh, – in a tip-off tournament down at Curry, and we struggled to score. In fact, we didn't break 50 points in either game. We were fortunate enough to to walk out of there with one win, and really had some questions about you know how were, how were we going to score enough points to be successful. And um, in addition to having lost some pretty good players over the last couple of years, um, we decided to totally change what we do on the offensive end. And I think it was a combination of maybe those two things. Um, it's a new offense to me, not just the players and, and our coaching staff. And I think we're getting better. I'm getting better at um, you know teaching it. I think I think we're definitely getting better at uh, executing it, and we're starting to see you know some of those benefits. You know, uh, scored over 80 points against Colby. You know, if you'd ask me, you know, after that Curry tournament, geez, do you think you'll ever score 80 points? I, I probably. To be perfectly honest, we wouldn't have thought that we had the capability to do that. But we have this group, uh, probably more so than any that I can remember, certainly in recent history, has improved so much from the beginning of the year to now. And I'm really excited to think that, you know, we're, we're not done. You know, mm. we can certainly get a whole lot um, better. And that's that's really exciting from a coaching standpoint. That was one of the things that we wanted to explore making that change is hey let's let's try some different things let's do some some different stuff and uh, I'm really pleased with how our team has embraced the change so even though we did have some returning players um, we were all brand new when it came to um, you know this offensive uh, style that we were trying to implement and uh, myself included and, and I stated earlier I, I'm still learning and I'm learning how to maybe better teach you know, the, the principles in it. But uh, again, the uh, amount of improvement in such a short period of time is really exciting. And uh, and I don't, as I said, I don't think we're done yet. I think we, we can get a whole lot better, definitely. Yeah, and certainly, like you said early, the, the offensive, uh, you know, struggles, I guess you'd say, in the first couple of games, and now like the 80-point output against Colby, not only that, but tied to three-point record in a single game, you know, 58%, just about, I don't know if we saw that coming either. No, not at all. You know, and, and again, I, I think the the better we do in executing the offense, the better we're going to shoot because hopefully we'll get uh, better shots, open shots. And um, 
I think our team is a good shooting team if we can continue to get those open shots. Early on, I think our percentages and our scoring totals were, were more based on the fact that we weren't getting necessarily the open shots. Uh, wasn't necessarily a reflection that we weren't good shooters. Mm. I, I think we were. Um, so again, it's, it's, it's exciting to, um, to think how, how much we've improved in such a short period of time. Uh, really uh, makes it fun going to practice every day and seeing the improvement. Yeah, it's very cool, and it's it. We've we've had a couple conversations, you and I, in your office about how the uh, it's, it's a change for you and your role in some ways. Where the class that just left, they were basically major contributors all four years. Obviously, four players. Uh, and, and last year, you know, I remember you saying something like, "Well, now we can. Everybody knows the offense. Everybody knows everything, and we can implement new things and go even deeper into the playbook." But this year, uh, it must be. I don't want to say refreshing because I'm, I'm sure you would take any of those players back if they had another year. Uh, but just the coaching aspect of it, you must enjoy getting down to, you know, coaching these players up. And, and I'm sure that's a lot of uh, where their improvements come from. Yeah, I, I think if you ask any coach, um, certainly any coach that's done done it for a long time, their greatest sat- satisfaction typically comes from the pla- uh, practice floor. Um, games are nice, um, and certainly players would much rather play games than they probably would practice. But from a coaching <laughs> standpoint, um, that's where coaches really get to kind of you know work on their craft and you know the communication and the teaching and, and the things that go on and the development of what you're trying to implement you know throughout the uh, throughout the year. So yeah, that you know I, I was excited about. The ability to um, not that we didn't teach, you know, the previous number of years, and that our teams didn't need to learn. Right. But you're right. We we had some, you know, very seasoned, very experienced players that pretty much from the first time they started playing here were were successful and, and played major minutes uh, for us. And um, that's a nice problem to have too. Certainly wasn't a problem. It was very enjoyable and. You know, there were a lot of other things that we tried to do because we had that experience. But uh, this this year's group, uh, totally different group, and that's what makes it, um, you know, fun and enjoyable. Yeah, it's interesting, too, because it's a, a very similar path to what men's soccer was. The same four-year window, basically, and then how successful they were during their run with those core players. And now, you know, you just keep the ball rolling with a new set of faces. Uh, it's interesting. um you, you go very deep into your bench, maybe deeper than some teams. And I think this freshman class has, has been a real shot in the arm, but also the returning sophomores and even the upperclassmen have shown improvement for sure already this year. And and, and part of that is, is the opportunity they're getting. But I, I've been impressed with with your seniors, Julie Quinn and Billy, or uh, excuse me, Lexi, LaRue Carland, uh, and, and of course, Jordan Jobber. Uh, you know, those upperclassmen kind of lead the way. But, uh, you know, they're getting more opportunities as well. Yeah, you know, I'm glad you mentioned the seniors. Um, you know, certainly they didn't necessarily get a chance to play a lot of minutes last year. They, they you know, both, you know, were, um, you know, in every game participated. But now they're, you know, this is kind of their team. Uh, they're doing a great job off the court. In addition, on the court, you know, providing leadership and mentorship for, you know, some of our newer players or lesser experienced uh, players. And that's, 
you know, kind of the neat thing about, you know, year to year. Um, your roles change every year. Sometimes it's just the opportunity. We, we have players that, uh, you know, maybe didn't play in the past that, that are playing now. It's, it's just simply, you know, they were the same type of player and probably had the same skill set. But uh, you need an opportunity to play at times. And um, that's always a constant struggle. You know, as coaches, we're trying to figure out the best combinations and, you know, who who's improving, you know, who's working hard in practice to, you know, maybe earn that, you know, that next shot. Um, but the seniors, I think, are a classic example of how, um, you know, players pay their dues over time. And hopefully at some point, you know, we'll be given a chance to, uh, you know, contribute maybe a little bit more. Yeah, it, it's uh, interesting how some might have seen, you know, those four left and, and now we're covered as bare, but it was far from it. Uh, I know it was probably a tough position for those freshmen last year. You know, obviously they were all stars in, in uh, high school and, and their AAU programs and all that. And, you know, they, they kind of, they didn't get to play as much as they would have hoped. And yeah. it's understandable. Uh, but now they're getting a chance and you're seeing some of these kids really show what they can do. Some of them came back. You can tell they worked out really hard over the summer and came in. Uh, you know, in, in just great shape and ready to rock, and it's paid off for them so far. So, uh, so great. So, good things to come here. You have two games this weekend. Uh, kind of an interesting thing. You're you're on the road in Maine, going to Castine for Maine Maritime on Saturday, and up to uh, up to Thomas College on Sunday. So, you know what? Back to back games. You've done it before already this year, and I know it's not that uncommon in basketball, but. Uh, you guys have also had kind of a little break here, it feels like. You haven't played in a little bit. Yeah, with, with finals, um, you know, this is a tough time of year for, um, you know, players to stay focused. And we've we've touched on it a little bit. We'll talk about it today in practice and, and definitely tomorrow. That everybody's excited uh, about going home. They've earned, um, you know, a little time off. And, you know, that's coaches included. But yet, at the same time, we've, we're really excited about the job that we've done so far, and we certainly don't want to, you know, sell that short by, you know, maybe looking past uh, the two games that we have this weekend in anticipation of that time off. Let's, you know, work hard, do a good job, hopefully this weekend, and um, you know, play our best, and then great, let's let's enjoy that ten days off and get our batteries recharged, spend some quality time with our families, and then when we come back, it's. Man, the second semesters just tend to really fly by because you get into conference play and uh, it's a couple games a week. And before you know it, gosh, you know, um, your conference championships uh, are right around the corner. So we're certainly excited about the break, but I hope that we're not looking past the importance of these two games this weekend. Right. And then after the break or after, you know, a break for you anyway on your team, uh, you're headed to the Naismith Classic in Springfield. And you've mentioned to me that's a that's a tournament that you've been wanting to get into for a while, and uh, you know you're in this year for the first time, and and it, it sounds like it's a really cool experience. Yeah, it is, and you're right. We we have tried for a number of years. Uh, you know, I've known the Springfield coach for, gosh, well over 25 years, and they do a really nice job. You know, Springfield College, the birthplace of uh, basketball. Springfield has a basketball Hall of Fame, and it, it's the Naismith Classic. So in addition to getting two really good quality games um there's a lot of perks associated with the uh with the tournament uh one of which is um tickets to the basketball hall of fame uh, we haven't, cool. really, haven't really figured out how we're going to squeeze that into the schedule but we will and i'm sure for you know probably some of our players um 
they may have never been. I've been a mm. couple of times. I think, you know, obviously someone that that really likes basketball. It's 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 a neat place, and I think our players will really enjoy the opportunity to see some of the history of uh, of the game. So uh, yeah, they they just do a great job, and um, we're excited to uh, to finally uh, gotten a chance to to play in that tournament. Yeah, very cool. So now. Uh, Let's talk about, so, you know, we've alluded to several times this past stretch, this past four-year span, and and, and, and allow me to uh, just kind of rant on a little bit with some of the accomplishments. Uh, it was quite a four-year span with that, that graduating class of Kelsey McNamara, Emily Benway, Julia Champagne, and Hannah Marks. Uh, those guys were all, uh, Kelsey leaves the program as the all-time leading scorer, 2000, over 2,600, uh, 2,000, and 67 career points, the only 2,000-point scorer in team history. And, of course, uh, two others had 1,000 points. And during that time, the record 103 and 15, that's an 873 winning percentage, uh, 53 and 2 in conference, three championships, four NCAA tournament appearances. You had not one but two 27-game winning streaks. And... During a three-year span, you won 51 consecutive home games. And last year, going into the conference final, you were ranked in the top 10 nationally. Uh, so the first thing I want to ask is where does that, and maybe you haven't given this much thought, and we don't tend to think of these things as they're happening, but I think looking back is is, is a better way to go about it. Um, you know, how, you've had so many great teams, and you've had great spans like this before. Uh, they were the winningest senior class you've ever had. Um, how, how would you rank or how would you say they fit into the history of the program as far as, you know, those teams that you've had? Well, we have been really lucky to have some really special um, senior classes that, um, you know, put together very impressive four-year periods, uh, certainly in the NCAA era, um, having been NAIA, you know, for the previous, you know, probably 15 plus years that I was here for the first 15, I should say. Mm -hmm. In the NCAA era, this group certainly, um, you know, has to rank as, as a top group, you know, without a doubt. Um, just, you know, not just the NCAA appearances, but also winning uh, each of the last two years, first round games and, um, you know, the streaks and the numbers and the wins and whatnot that you, you alluded to. Um, Man, you could you could put those up against uh, any NCAA Division three program in the country, and they would you know be you know outstanding uh, as well. So obviously, uh, really really special group of uh, talented players, but more importantly, really good um, you know people. I mean these these guys were winners. They you know, carried themselves with confidence. They, you know, were just, just quality people. Um, they set such a great uh, standard for our returning players to look up to. So now my hope is that, you know, our returning players take over some of the traits that that, that senior group certainly have. And that's, that's kind of the key to leadership. Um, you come in as a first or second year player and you look at the upperclassmen and how they go about doing their business and you just kind of naturally, you know, assume those uh, habits and those roles and kind of perpetuates itself. That's, 
that's the beauty of having a program with quality people that you attract like-minded people. And um, I think it makes it a little bit easier to continue uh, to have extended periods of success because not only are they good people, but they understand, you know, the importance of hard work, dedication, and and that team really does um, override me as an individual. You know, it's basically what can I do to make this team better? And those seniors, you know, did it the best. And uh, great individual accomplishments, but I think to a player they would uh, tell you their excitement comes from what the team Accomplish those numbers that you you read a little bit earlier. That's something that uh, they'll never um, you know forget. And certainly, you know, we were lucky enough to to be part of that as coaches. And uh, real special group, without a doubt. Yeah, definitely a, a fun stretch to to be a part of. Even you know outside of it and and helping publicize it. I guess it was easy to do. So many accolades and so many victories and. And I look back and I think, you know, not that your program needed to be put on any kind of map because this program has always been sound and and certainly, you know, your name along with it. Uh, but that game against Amherst in the NCAA tournament year before last. So you come off a win over UMass Boston, the first NCAA tournament win in, in program history at Amherst. And then the next day you're playing the reigning two-time national champs, they'd won how many games in a row, a couple undefeated seasons strung together, and you give them a run for your mon- a run for their money. And I just remember listening to the announcer, the Amherst guy, talking like, oh, my God, you know, the Monks and Kelsey McNamara and holy cow, you know, where did this come from? And, and you know, something we've seen, we saw all along, but it was just kind of, it was really neat to see on a national stage like that. What? How did you feel about that game? Is that a, you have similar, uh, you know, putting on the map type of, Emphasis. Well, I think um, New England uh, Division Three basketball is such a diverse group of conferences, and there tends to be a natural pecking order uh, to those conferences. And, and obviously, Amherst and the NESCAC teams are um, at the top of that um, you know that pile of um, you know successful uh, Division Three schools in New England. So, anytime that a team from the GNAC competes against the team from the NESCAC and does well, I think that really bodes well, not only for our program, but for our conference. And that game was, I mean, it, you know, certainly they, I think they had won 60 something games in a row, two time defending national champs. One uh, that particular year uh, that they beat us, ended up winning the national championship game by over 20 points. We were the closest game that they had in the six uh, NCAA Games. I mean, those are all things that are, you know, really kind of cool. You know, unfortunately, during the time of the game, you're not thinking about those things. I'm just thinking that, boy, with one maybe key bounce here or there, um, you know, we might have beat them. And um, as tough of a loss as it was to take, um, that was in the moment. When you do get a chance to sit back and reflect with some time, you really do kind of realize that wow, that was uh, that was a pretty special game for our uh, for our program, and and certainly not just in New England, but I think nationally, and it, and it probably uh, was reflected in the national polls the following year. You know, we really did kind of get the attention of a lot of teams, and then of course, you know, starting the year with the win streak, um, we just continued to climb up the polls and attain you know national rankings that. Uh, Certainly at the NCAA level, uh, we had never seen, and who knows if we ever will again. 
Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, but more, more to come for sure. I mean, this, like you said, this team is, is very much improving. We go back to this year and, uh, you know, your freshman class is very impressive. I don't know if you specifically went out to recruit left-handers, uh, but, you know, you have three or four there in the new, in the new group, it seems. And, and that, you know, what kind of role is that? What kind of, what kind of challenges does that pose for a defensing team, a defending team, or is that not really a thing? No, it is a thing, believe it or not. Um, no, I don't want you to think I'm uh, calculated enough to specialize <laughs> in what hand player. We, you know, we, we try to get the best possible players that we can and, um, this particular freshman class actually has two left-handed players. I think there's a little bit of an advantage because uh, as a defender, you're used to guarding typically right-handed players and um, left-handed players just do it in the opposite direction. So mm. I think naturally sometimes they um, they have a little bit of an advantage. Um, and it is kind of unique. We I don't think we've ever had three left-handed players on, on one uh, particular roster in a given year. Um, just... Kind of, I guess, luck would, would have it. That's the way it worked out. But uh, I do think it's a little bit of an advantage at times. Very cool. So, Coach, we, I want to take a uh, a look back here and in kind of a, a bigger picture uh, kind of kind of view. Uh, I don't know if you looked at the uh, the release that we put out for the McDevitt Court. I don't know how much of my stuff you read. So, I mean, it, it does, I won't take it personally if you didn't. Uh, but... Uh, in your playing, coaching, assistant coaching as a volleyball coach, you know, all together in one ball of wax, you have played a role in nearly 1,300 games. I'm not trying to make you feel old. <laughs> well, you uh, are. <laughs> yeah. uh, with a 940 and 329 record. That's 741 winning percentage. Okay. And. 22 championships so it's kind of a different way to look at it because it includes your playing days and then your assistant coach time here for the men's basketball program but when you when you think about that that's that's an incredible record and 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 just a you know the amount of time and the amount of lives that you've been in contact with and and all those kinds of things how do you how do you look back at that wow um well, obviously, numbers like that. I think um, longevity certainly has a lot to uh, to do with it. The number that really sticks out um, with me is the three hundred and sixty something losses. I mean, you know, here we are thinking you're pretty special. We we've gotten beaten uh, over three hundred and sixty times. That's probably more games than some coaches will coach. But uh, I think the longevity aspect of it is is a big piece. Consistency, um, certainly as a player and an assistant coach. Um, at the two times that I served as an assistant, I was lucky enough to to work with some really talented head coaches. So I, I certainly can't, you know, lay claim to being you know a huge part in you know those outcomes. But uh, they certainly did affect um, my coaching personality and the things that I did or currently do um, as a head coach um, you know pride is, is is a word that you know I, I throw out there a lot because I am very pri- uh, proud of um, all that the program uh, has accomplished and I'm proud that I've been able to you know do it with two different stints 
lucky enough to come back and, and continue to coach after I had left um, to do it as long as I have. So, um, you know, those numbers, yeah, I mean, they kind of jump off a sheet um, because I think you're hard-pressed to find too many people in this profession that have been lucky enough to be at the same institution as long as I have, both as a player, an assistant coach, and, and as a head coach. So, um, yeah, I'm, uh, I do read your releases. You okay. know, I, <laughs> I, I try not to, you know, put them to memory all the time, but, right. uh, you know, I, I do. And um, I save them all, you know, save all the emails and put them in a file. So um, I appreciate um, certainly all the work that you guys do in, in your office with your staff to uh, help us make, you know, make us look good because uh, certainly you do. Ah, well, thank you, Coach. I certainly wasn't uh, wasn't fishing for compliments <laughs> or anything, but it's uh, it's it's nice to it's nice to hear every once well, in a while. Well, you got one, so ah, well, thank you. Uh, and it's funny, you know, this this is a theme. I think coaches remember losses more, or you know, or whatever that is. But it's when you reached your 500th career win. Uh, I remember putting out a graphic in a story, and and I congratulated you on 500 wins, and I think you right away said, ah. Yeah, that's got to be about 195 losses in there too, and it was so funny because you were like three losses off, and I don't think you're a stat follower of your coaching record. No, good guess. Yeah. Uh, but you were within three games of how many losses you had in your career, which is so funny. Um, so let's let's go way way back, okay? Um, I love hearing uh, stories, Hall of Fame dinners, and, and things like that when coaches get up there and they talk about their time here you know, when they first started. So I know you came here as a player in, that was Coach Simon's first year. So was that was 79, 80? 1979, yep. So just kind of talk about what went into your decision to come here. I know uh, you you knew Coach Simon's pretty well, obviously. Uh, just, just give us a little bit of a background and where this all began. Yeah, um, I graduated from high school, Ellsworth High School in 1978, and actually had played high school basketball for three years for Coach Simons. Um, I left high school, went to the University of Maine at Orono, intent on becoming a, a wildlife biologist. That was my uh, my goal. Hmm. Unfortunately, I didn't possess the maturity to, uh, to handle um, college life, and um, my stay at the University of Maine at Orono was very short, and I uh, actually... Uh, Dropped out of school, went back home and worked uh, in the family business and um, continued to stay in contact with Coach Simons, did some things with the youth basketball program there. And when he came down that following spring to interview for the job, I actually just came along with him as a friend with no intention at all of uh, necessarily going back to school. Um, That summer, uh, when he had gotten the job, he had kind of hinted that... um, she said, have you ever really, you know, considered going back to school? And, you know, I hadn't really thought much about it. But uh, as time kind of got closer to August, uh, I thought it sounded like a pretty good idea. So I think I applied, you know, maybe the middle of August um, hmm. and made that decision to come down here and um, get a second chance. Uh, you know, I reference it all the time because I think, um, you know, certainly – as a coach, I think you're a teacher, and I know myself, and I think a lot of the players that I've coached, the greatest lessons that we've learned uh, in our life have been 
basically outcomes from the mistakes that we've made. And certainly my time in Orono wasn't a mistake. Uh, I just wasn't, you know, really prepared to, to make the commitment to college. Whereas my second chance, my second opportunity to come here to St. Joe's, um, I was, you know, much better prepared. And uh, certainly that decision has shaped the rest of my life, you know, um, from the woman I was lucky enough to meet and marry to the best friends that I have today. They're all uh, people that I've met here uh, at St. Joseph's College. And um, certainly college changes everybody's lives. But I think certainly for me, St. Joe's was the right place at the right time for a guy like me that needed a place like this um, to help me, um, you know, take the next step in my life. It's quite a story how how things happen and and just have a ripple effect throughout the rest of your life. And you're, you know, in your case, very very large waves um, choosing to come here. What were your first impressions of the college? It was a very different place back then, and of course the facilities, uh, you know, the chamber. And I think I don't know was was the chamber really the chamber before Coach Simons came here? I mean, was it really what it became, or did he kind of? make it out to be more, you know, because he was a showman, I know. Yep. And uh, that place became a nightmare for places for opponents to come to. But what were your first impressions in, in the chamber and all that? Well, the, the chamber, the actual name, um, was a creation, you know, of Rick Simons and, and Jim Graffham created that image and that allure. Actually, when I first came here, um, the gym floor um, needed to be replaced. Hmm. It actually had a hole in it underneath one basket. So we, um, we did not practice or play that first year until late into the second semester. We played home games at uh, Old Orchard Beach Junior High School, the oh University God. of Maine, uh, Southern Maine. Um, we even had the Civic Center, the Cumberland County Civic Center as a home court. And each night when it came time to practice, we weren't lucky enough to just walk down to the gym. We had to jump in vans and we practiced at the local high schools, junior highs. So we were basketball nomads for pretty much three quarters of that first year. We were lucky enough at the end of the season to play four home games um, with the new four. But the, the whole image and the allure of the chamber uh, kind of started to grow after the first year or two here to the point where even though it was a tiny building and you know, with 500 people in there, you created an atmosphere that, that felt like 5,000. Um, that took, you know, a number of years to, to kind of get to that point. In fact, I, I think, you know, thinking that I was a pretty successful player, it was really, to be honest with you, the, the year after I graduated um, that we really started to attain some of the success that uh, kind of catapulted um you know, the program. I'd like to think that we had a lot to do with maybe laying the foundation, but certainly, uh, you know, Jeff Creech and Mike Fiorillo, they were freshmen uh, when I was a senior. Those guys went on to, to really do some pretty special things, uh, you know, over the next three years. And then David Chadbourne came in that year as well and, um, you know, led us to, you know, was ultimately, you know, one of the most satisfying and shocking, you know, victories and certainly in the NAIA basketball world when we went out to the national tournament and beat Biola, who was, um, I think, number two or number three in the country at the time and uh, just really, um, you know, just 
shock the world with what a little school from Maine could do mm. uh, with the right uh, right guys and the right attitude. So um, yeah, much different place. Continue to you know see it grow um, over the years, and um, now you know I feel very fortunate that we we have a facility like the Alphonse Center. Certainly loved playing and competing um, in uh, the gym, you know, the Courier Gym and uh, Chamber of Horrors, but um, a little bit easier to recruit to uh, <laughs> to the Alphonse Center uh, on those non-game days. On game days, it was really impressive. Um, and, um, you know, certainly um, we were able to attract some pretty good players, you know, during that time. Yeah, I definitely want to get Coach Simons on one of these podcasts. So, Coach, if you're listening – the door is always open. Uh, you say little school from Maine. What what do you recall the enrollment being back then? Uh, we were probably four or five hundred students. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of the physical plant that we now have, uh, a lot of the dorms weren't here. But that's never, you know, I think, you know, it started back then. St. Joe's wasn't so much about, you know, the buildings and the exterior types of things. It was always about the people. And, uh, you know, Rick has had just a tremendous impact on my life. Uh, Dick Bailey, who was our dean of students at the time, we, we all came in in 1979. Uh, Dick is a close personal friend, and, you know, he's a second father hmm. uh, to me, and he's helped shape, um, you know, the type of person that I am today. And, and you just continue to meet people like Dick, Rick, um, year after year after year, and it's continued up until now. Just really special, you know, people. Um, you know, you look at our coaching staff and the number of coaches that we have that are graduates, um, you know, successful coaches, but even much more so, just really quality, quality people. And that's mm. that's why, um, you know, I, I think a St. Joe's education you know, certainly does a lot of things for you. But I think one of the things for, for me and I think some of my coaching peers that are graduates, uh, it really helps shape, you know, our work ethic and, um, you know, the type of person that we have all become. And I think it's ultimately led to the success that we've been able to have, um, you know, on our, you know, with our particular teams. Definitely. And you're right. You know, we have so many head coaches that are alums, also assistant coaches that people just keep coming back and they, they don't want to leave. And kind of speaking of that, you went right from playing to being an assistant coach. And, you know, looking back at some of those pictures, I think you should bring back the mustache. Maybe maybe <laughs> just, you know, <laughs> no shave November or something. But I, I think we ought to destroy any, <laughs> any, any photographs that, that have me displaying facial hair. Um, you know, should be part of my next contract, I think. So, ah, well. Well, Coach, uh, you know, we, we've covered a lot of ground here, I think, uh, in, a, in this interview. And is there anything else you want to add or anything we missed? I know we, I, and I, I did want to mention, you know, you, you mentioned meeting your wife. Um, I think your, your family might be the biggest or one of the biggest basketball families uh, that anybody could ever think of, especially in the state of Maine. Um, so just kind of talk about that a little bit. I mean, the environment at home. Are we are we talking about you know dinner plates that have basketballs on them and and uh, you know a full court in the backyard with hoops or or is it the opposite of that? Well, I'm lucky enough to have this beautiful facility as my own uh, practice facility. So we, we we do have a basketball hoop in the backyard, but I I didn't have to go to the expense of putting in something too 
too elaborate because I have the keys to this building. So, uh, <laughs> right. I think that's probably um, the thing that I'm most proud of, to be honest with you, um, that um, our children um, have all acquired the same passion and love for basketball that, that Margaret and I uh, certainly had. Mm. Um, you know, my wife was a you know very accomplished player. Um, came here from Portland High School, and and again, uh, this place totally changed her life. Um, you know, sometimes I'd argue maybe not for the better because she ended up marrying me. But um, <laughs> well, I think it worked out pretty well. Certainly, um, you know, has 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 been really cool in the development of um, our children's passion. You know, for basketball, uh, when I came back 11 years ago, probably the biggest reason uh, I did that was to uh, have an opportunity to coach my daughter. Mm. And I got to do that for three years, and that's an experience that I would not trade for anything in this world. I think if um, any coach who has a son or a daughter gets an opportunity to, to coach them at whatever level, I think that's kind of a special thing. And then I was able and fortunate enough to, to work with her for four years as an assistant coach, and that was really cool. And then both my sons, um, you know, have, have gone on to, to real successful. They had very successful high school careers, both with 1,000-point scorers at Greeley. And, um, you know, Michael at Franklin Pierce, a 1,000-point scorer there. Matthew's only a junior at Endicott, but he's having a great, uh, you know, basketball and, and academic uh, experience. So um, just really blessed to think that um, everybody in our family has a similar passion, you know, for basketball and um, have been lucky enough to be as successful as they have, um, you know, in their endeavors. So um, probably when I'm long gone and, you know, someone, you know, talks about, you know, Mike McDevitt, I, I certainly hope that they'll think, you know, boy, man, he was really lucky uh, that his family shared the same passion in basketball that he did. Certainly, as a dad, that's that's pretty cool. That's very cool. Yeah, no doubt about it. Well, I think that's a good, uh, really good place to wrap it up, right there, Coach. Uh, thanks so much for your time, uh, and listeners. Thank you for tuning in. I'd like to take a minute to thank all the coaches and special guests, as well as my sometimes co-host Megan Dunlap, and our editor and producer Dominic McGuire, for helping us get started with. Monk's Take on our first season. I just want to let everybody know that we're going to take a short break here for the holidays. Uh, we will be back with the remainder of season one early in 2020. But on behalf of the St. Joseph's College Athletics Department, we want to wish everybody a Merry Christmas, a Happy Holidays, and a Happy New Year. This has been Monk's Take. We'll see you next year, folks. Thanks again.